Zach Bailey, as we mentioned, was front and centre for the Nine Network. Cool sporting name. He's on the line right now. Hello, Zach. Hello, Jules. How are you? I'm very, very well for a Monday morning. You know, what did you make of it? It was a, a remarkable result, but a well-deserved result. New Zealand, from the get-go, they just looked hungry. They looked willing. And the Aussies, I don't think I've seen them look so flat. Yeah, totally agree. It was a really interesting build-up. We focused mainly on the Kangaroos in the lead-up to the second test, the first game against New Zealand, obviously, uh, in Melbourne, and then the week after in New Zealand. Um, the one thing I'll say about the Kangaroos is, and, and this was led from Mal down, was that given it had been such a long year, that it was more a relaxed and lighter approach. And that's not saying that they weren't focused when they were at training, but he understood that, uh, you know, a lot of players have been at it in terms of playing physical games since February. Some of them, you know, it's funny, we were in Rotorua in February in, uh, for the All-Stars match and we've ended the, the season over in New Zealand and Hamilton. So that was their approach. Uh, it clearly worked in the Melbourne test. It clearly didn't work in the Hamilton test. So I guess they might have to look back and go, geez, do we take things too lightly in terms of our preparation? Was it too much focus on the earlier part of the week on, you know, recovery and, you know, being relaxed. Whereas the, the Kiwis' energy on the Friday morning uh, at their training was, like, through the roof. Mm. And I guess the thing is, the, the one message we'll get from the Kiwis in the lead-up, especially for Michael Maguire, is that they want more test matches. It, it's almost near impossible to try and fit more tests into the already busy schedule that runs, as I said, from February uh, through to November as it stands. And that's not in a World Cup year that goes even longer. Um, so they, they wanted to make a statement, and they sure did that, to try and push the narrative of, of, hey, guys, we need more tests against Australia. Because, Jules, when you and I were kids, we were growing up, and we saw the, the Anzac Day tests that were great. Yeah. They may not have um, been as strong before they were um, dismissed a few years ago, but you know I remember like Sam Siday and some of the some of the great Kiwis forwards going head to head, and you know you know the whole slit your throat incident and whatever. And mm, it was like, mm. we, we we had the joys of that mid year and at the end of the year, and it seemed to be a great rivalry. And I guess since that's no longer the case, that Anzac Day test we don't have it anymore, and I guess Australia's dominance until the weekend in recent years has led to the, the grudge match between the Kiwis and the Kangaroos not being as strong. So, But in terms of the match, like I was I was shell-shocked watching. I thought uh, it, was, it was the nature of it, wasn't it? That's the thing. Like The Kiwi, Kiwis turned up for it and were so dominant. The Kangaroos didn't go close to scoring a try wow. once. That was like, incredible, wasn't com- it? Complete dominance. Yeah. yeah, It's not just conceding 30, but the fact they didn't even, you know, they're flat out getting to zero. It was quite the yeah. turnaround, and you know, and, and people talk about did did Madge Roper dope Mal, and you know, we don't know for certain, but maybe there was, I guess, that element psychologically that okay, well, the week before they weren't really playing for anything because they knew they were going to meet in a final the following week, the home ground advantage, and they put all their eggs into that basket. Yeah, that's that's totally because that's that could very well be the case. From the Aussies' perspective, we asked Mal on uh, the Friday morning uh, at the at his. Uh, pre-game captain's run uh, press conference, we said, you know, they've been so relaxed. Is there any chance that the boys are complacent? He's like, I, I, I haven't seen that. And that's the one fear I guess yeah. you, you have when you have such a good strike rate. Like Mal was shooting for 24 wins from his 26 mm. tests. Like it's a pretty good record. They'd only lost two since, I think, 2018, which is one of the Kiwis and uh, one to uh, Tonga, the famous victory in Eden Park. 
But after the game, when I interviewed Cameron Munster, he's like, I just said to him, I said, I, I guess you're looking around for excuses or answers. What went wrong? And he just said, he, I didn't say, did you get too complacent? He just offered it up and said, no, we, we clearly got too complacent. Yeah. Uh, so that was an admission straight away. And I guess it's easy in hindsight to think, oh, we took things a little bit easy. Um, like I said, the Kiwis had more to play for. But it was the nature, like I said. And, and James Fisher-Harris said after the game, he goes, you go through that Australian team. And he's like... Even Cam Murray was missing, and obviously, you know, Tom Trebojevic and Latrell Mitchell weren't there. And, yeah, Nathan, and that. Yeah, yeah. But and Nathan and whatever. But, like, Daly Cherry Evans, he's a pretty good player. Oh. Um, you know, like, you, you go through that whole side. It's like, yeah. you know, Ruben Cotter gets called up, and we, we know what he does in the Origin Arena. You know, you, you get Nico Hines onto the bench, and he's a Dalian medalist from two years ago. Like, it's just, yeah. It was just one of one of those games where you, you sit back and you go, well, that's going to be a memorable one. Sadly, we all know the crowd wasn't as good as what we thought or were hoped for. Mm. But um, you, you probably look back and go, geez, that that was a that was a pretty cool rugby league moment to witness um, in terms of the history of the game and, and what it meant to the Kiwis. Without question, uh, everything they did was better. Attitude, body language. You saw it in their line speed. You know that punch for the middle and, and going wide early. They they came with a game plan and it mm. absolutely worked. You mentioned there the crowds too, Zach. You, you got a, a thought or a theory on that? I mean, all the suggestions were that they were going to show up, and you know maybe it was a bit deceptive some of the camera angles of that sunny side of the ground, mm. but it, it did. I have to say, look emptier than I anticipated. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And I just I, I tweeted to say, hey guys, it's not as empty on this side. And everyone was saying, stop trying to defend uh, the Hamilton ground. It wasn't that. It was literally just stating stating the fact. It was yeah. very disappointing. Like the one thing you got to think is, if, if you're a Hamilton and you want more of these matches going forward, yeah. you have to turn out. And they just clearly didn't. So I don't think there are going to be any uh, tests anytime soon. There, uh, perhaps. Uh, the timing around it, given the All Blacks the week before and the Rugby uh, Union World Cup had taken focus over in New Zealand, um, and the fact that you know the, the Warriors wave that everybody rode uh, wasn't still as high, given that you know that they were they last played six weeks ago in the or seven weeks ago in the NRL. Um, so maybe the timing in terms of you know so late in the year, I think people you know generally a lot of people out there unless they're like rock you know rock solid NRL fans or mm. rugby league fans, a lot of them might maybe thought oh. It's not worth going to, but it's sad that if we want the international games to be considered as high as Origin or you know as finals or whatever, then maybe we do need more tests. Maybe it needs to be uh, promoted more. But one thing is, there has to be a strategic plan about where these matches are played. Totally, sure. totally. It's funny. I was chatting to my colleague from SENZ, Mark Stafford, and, and he said the amount of people he spoke to—that's you know—it's about an hour from Auckland. Gee, oh. I wish I'd gone. I thought about it, I didn't, and I wish I'd gone. So that's the thing. I mean, mm. you know, it, it shouldn't have got to that in the first place. You know, with promotion, you build it up. So this, you know, we, we're a chance of winning this. So in hindsight, you know, yeah. damn, I was thinking about it, I should have gone. You know, uh, it's a pro- promotional thing, uh, amongst other things, no doubt. Now, November 1 has come, off-season movements. Where are we at there? Uh, well, it's it's an interesting one. I, I, was, I just looked through the whole list of the, the transfers that have already been made. And there aren't, I don't feel like there are as many uh, movements in terms of uh, previous years. Obviously, all eyes are going to be on the likes of Ezra Mam. He's expected to stay at the Broncos. Um, Todd Payton conceded the other day that, like, he thinks Tom did and or hopes Tom did and will stay at the Cowboys, Mm. but he's worried that other clubs will be able to throw more money at it. The real interesting one, given the developments of last week, is where Jerome Luai lands. 
And I mean, you know you're, you're close with Penrith, Zach. I mean, I'd, I'd be, yeah. you know, despite what has played out in, in social media, I'd, I'd be stunned if Luai leaves. I'd be stunned. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was interesting. Like, looking from afar, like, I haven't chased up Penrith or anything, to, you know, for more comment or to see where that is, given I, I was fully focused over on, on the Kiwis and the Kangaroos. Mm. But when I, when I first heard Ivan's comments, I thought, oh, they're interesting. Um, you know, the fact that he said maybe it's a risk and maybe he's not necessarily uh, worth um, the, the price tags of $1 million that have been thrown around. And what made it even more interesting was that instead of maybe picking up the phone and calling his coach, maybe he did as well, but the, the way that Jerome responded mm. on social media. So I personally think that at Jerome Lewis' age, um, like his value, unless he has a serious injury over the next two years, if he hangs at Penrith the next two or three years, their premiership window is well and truly still open. Like, He's already a three-time premiership winner. He's played Origin. His value, in my eyes, is only going to go up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they talk about halves getting better as their age, as they age. You know, they, they see in the game better and whatnot. Personally, I think if Jerome Lewis wants more success, stay at Penrith for the next couple of years. Mm. And then after that, cash in wherever you want. And then you've got more experience. You can take more experience to another club. Because we've seen other players, whether it's Josh Adokar, or other, you know, other players that leave, you know, leave a good system for maybe more money or yeah, get back to family or, or whatever it might be. The, the, the frustration in their game, it's just not as easy. Like, yeah. their strike rate there at Penrith is incredible. So well, they, well, they could look at Matt Burton, for example, couldn't he, Zach? A former yeah, teammate. Totally, and like, okay, yeah. well, you know, sign a big money and, and they're still building there. You know, how long are you going to build for? Yeah. You know, if, if it's not the coach, then, you know, you think it would come down to, to Nathan and to Brian to, on the guys that he's really tight with to say, look, you know, we're building something special here. It's a chance at history. And, you know, for the sake of an extra couple of hundred grand a year. Look, oh, I don't know. I can't speak for him. But, yeah. you know, as Ivan said a few weeks back, you know, he, he belongs at Penrith. He is Penrith. And I think that's that's pretty yeah. hard to disagree with. Michael Maguire, and it's interesting this chat about, you know, can he juggle the Blues job and the Kiwis job? And there's been a bit of a push, hasn't there, for maybe Stacey Jones if, if he does decide to, well, obviously, you know, the New South Wales job, but, you know, can he do both? And does it somehow diminish his commitment to New Zealand rugby league? But you look at that result in the weekend, I don't know why they'd want anyone else at this stage. Yeah, totally agree. Well, that result on the weekend is so timely for Michael Maguire on both fronts. Because, one, it makes his case even stronger for the Blues, and they already really wanted him, and it looks like that will happen at some stage, whether it's later this week or in the next couple of weeks. And it also strengthens his case. If he sits down with New Zealand rugby league boss Greg Peters and goes, hey, mate, look, look at the way that we, like, I led this um, team to turn it, turn it around. And look, they clearly all believe in the, in the coach. And like The players after the game, the way they hugged and celebrated with Madge, like you can tell there was genuine like love there for their coach and their mentor. So with the with the the job that it looks like the Blues will offer him, it, it won't be as full on as Brad Fittler's, where it's go out in communities and try and win back all the support for the Blues. If it's more of a six month kind of role, then he probably can do both. But whether New Zealand Rugby League uh, can sit there and, and think he can do both, that's up to them. But mm. like from the outside looking in, without knowing that you know how much is in this new New South Wales job or the, the restructured coaching job. Um, I, it looks like Michael Maguire can do both. I suspect you're right. And South Sydney Rabbitohs, some would say they were the big disappointment of season 2023, the way they tailed off, and a lot of people had them, you know, in the grand final. They missed the eight. Well, 
Now, of course, they missed their star player, Latrell Mitchell, for a big chunk of the season. He's got the court case behind him now. We know what happened there. That's been well reported. But his coach, Jason Demetrio, is, well, expects Latrell to get back to his best for next season. Well, I hope for everybody's sake, and especially the Bunnies' sake, that he does, because he's one of the most exciting players in the game when he's at his best. Uh, I think we we kind of... I don't know. Maybe we expect too much of these players when they come back from injury. And Jason even said that last year. It said, like, well, he's been out for 10 weeks with a calf injury, which meant that he couldn't, you know, he wasn't going to hit the ground running straight away. And then obviously everything unraveled around him. So hopefully in a more stable environment, a full pre-season under his belt, we see Latrell uh, back, to his, back to his best. So the one thing that was interesting, and it, and it, it isn't great to read, from Demetrio's comments is the fact that, you know, he said that Latrell just wasn't in a good place at the mm. back end of last year. Like, we want Latrell, whether it's physically, whether it's mentally, spiritually, all elements in his life, and this is, goes for all players, we want them all to be in a good place, um, given we want to see the best athletes performing at their best. The hard thing for Latrell is there's always such a big spotlight on him. If he's not playing a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 game, everyone's asking what the, the go is. Even us, we go to training... Everyone wants to know how Latrell is. Everyone, you know, the cameras are all pointed to Latrell. Everyone wants to hear from Latrell. You know, Latrell does anything, and there's just so much interest in yeah. it, which yeah. is a hard burden to take. I know when you're in the spotlight and you're outspoken, um, it can be polarising at times. It would be it would be really hard to, I guess, to manage all that. He's still a, a relatively young man, um, but I guess with through the last twelve, twenty four months, he would have learned a lot about himself and and where he's at. So hopefully. As you mentioned, and, and Jason Demetrio said, hopefully we do see the troll back to his best in, in 2024.